Good to be here this morning and uh, filling in for Brother Lyle while he's gone. Just always a privilege. We're going to continue this morning in the series, as you saw by the video, Tell a Good Story, because it's a series that he started. I'll tell you something funny about it. When he asked me to do this a few weeks ago, I said, sure. But he usually when he asked Jeff and I or Tom to fill in for him, he just lets us do what we want to. So he asked me a couple weeks ago, he said, will you fill in me? And I said, yeah. I said, I've got some stuff I want to say and get cleared up anyway. It'd be a good time for me to do that and air, air some things out. About two days later, he called me. He said, would you mind just doing the next part of this series I'm in? So I don't know if I scared him or if he thought I was really going to go crazy on him or what. But uh, but he trusts us, and, and it, is, it is a privilege working with him, and he's, he's a good one. This morning, we're going to be in Joshua 4, 1 through 7. And today, following along with this thing about telling a good story, we're going to be looking at memorials, spiritual memorials. And, you know, memorials are a way of life. They're all around us. You can go to Washington. We've got the Washington Monument. We've got the Lincoln Memorial. I mean, you know, we've got Mount Rushmore. We've got Vietnam Wall. We've got a Second World War Memorial who's, who is special to me because my dad was in that war. And so, you know, just anywhere you go, you can find a memorial to something. Historical markers. Tennessee is full of them. I've had the privilege of working all over the state with a phone company and just traveling the roads and working alongside the roads. It's just amazing that the history you can find on a marker and, and to tell you about something that happened there or an event or a person at the time. You know, we have buildings named after people of notoriety. We have highways and bridges, you know, named after fallen soldiers and public servants and things like that. I there's a part of the road there in Galton, Eric Duffer Highway. Is a young man I played football with. He lost his life in Vietnam. Of course, we know Long Hollow Pike. Part of it is named after Judge Bethel Brown. Part of our family here dearly loved, served the county for years and years and years with, with incredible dignity. And so that's there. And we've got Halls of Fame, retired sports numbers. What's the primary purpose of all this? When we put up a monument or a memorial, what's the purpose of it? And that's the thing we're going to look at today. It's to pay tribute to or help remember why that person was there or what that event was so that we don't forget and that's the purpose of them to honor to memorialize to keep it in our thought process to know to pass it on particularly when we when we look at this so today we're going to be looking at spiritual memorials so what is a spiritual memorial if we if and uh, as henry blackaby calls them in his experience in god study i like a little bit better spiritual markers so what is a spiritual marker when we're talking about this and it's a time, a place, or a direction, or anything in your life where you came through something, did something, accomplished something, God blessed you, where you knew God was there, where you knew God did it, where you knew God guided you through it, where it was evident without a shadow of a doubt that God was there with you. And so a spiritual memorial is going to be something that we can attach to that and, and, and to remember that and to know what God's doing in our life. And so when we look at these spiritual memorials today, and the thing about them is a lot of times they're not understood because oftentimes with God you have to look back to see what he brought you through because God doesn't often, very often give us, we, we like to have the future. We like to know, well, what's going to happen? God says, go do this. Okay, give me the details, God. God says, no, just trust me and step on out, step up, step out is what we like to say and do it. And so you don't know till you get by it till you look back and you say, man, he was watching me there. And sometimes you don't know he was watching you. I, I wanted an engineering job with a phone company one time and taken all the tests, did very well. And uh, the gentleman I was working for, he, was, he wanted to promote me to an outside 
manager's job, and I didn't want it. I wanted the engineering job. And I held out. I, I refused him, and I wouldn't take the job. So about three or four months later, they put him over the engineering department, and he, he made three engineers, and he never called me, never asked me if I wanted the job. And I was upset. <laughs> I mean, you know, you're young. And, but two years later, we contracted all our engineering out, and I would have lost my job. God was watching because I was already serving him and on a mission, so he was taking care of me because that would have been a devastating thing in my life. So many times we have to look back to see those things. And, and that's the thing we need to remember. Now, today's scripture deals in Joshua. It deals with Israel. And it's just, and you know, it's, it's after 40 years in the desert, 40 years that they ended up serving there for disobedience, for just failing to trust God, failing to know. And we, we all know the story. They'd been in bondage for 430 years. God put them there. He knew it says in Scripture to the day he brought them out. So he's going to bring them out. And so how does he do this? He, he, he looks for Moses. He finds Moses who's been in the desert for 40 years tending sheep. And he finds Moses and he says, you're going to go free my people. You're going to bring them out of bondage. And so here's where the process starts. He said, I'm sending you to bring them out of Egypt. But Moses said, who am I? I can't do that. Sounds kind of like us sometimes. What did God say? He said, I'm going to go with you. Then Moses said, suppose I go and the Israelites say, who sent you? What I tell them? God said, tell them I sent you. I am that I am. And then he moves on down and he said, and what if they don't believe me? And God said, I'm going with you. Don't worry about it. I'll make them believe you. I'll show them miracles they can't do. What's Moses say next? Well, I can't talk good. Starting to sound familiar sometimes when we're drumming up excuses not to do what God wants us to do. Moses said, well, I can't talk good. And so, you know, and the Lord said, well, I'll take care of that as well. I said, I'll help you. And finally, Moses says what most of us say, I just don't want to do that. And he, he well, basically what he said, send somebody else. Well, God got very angry with him, as we know, and sent, sent his brother Aaron with him. And finally, capital letters, finally, Moses decided to go with, do what God told him to do. And, and that's the struggle we all go through sometimes. But we're, going, we're getting around to this river crossing here. And so Israel marches out of Egypt. And you remember how they marched out? They saw all the plagues. They saw the death angel pass over. Now, now think about what they're seeing and what they're witnessing here. They saw the death angel pass over. They saw Egypt turn them loose. It said that God had predisposed the Egyptians to the Israelites. And when they left, they let them have anything they want. They plundered Egypt. They left there wealthy because they had, God had turned their hearts and let them have anything they wanted. Pharaoh had come to him in the night and told, told Moses, said, take your people and go. And so here's this whole nation, 600,000 men plus women and children, and all the wealth they can carry, they're heading out as, as if God hadn't done enough for them already. And then they get to the Red Sea, and, and then the process starts over again with them. And so in chapter 14, they get to the Red Sea, they're camped there, they've got a, a barrier in front of them, and what happens? They look back and they see the Egyptians coming, and they say, we have, what have you done to us bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we, say, didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians, it would have been better for us to serve than to die here. How quickly we forget sometimes, how quickly they forgot what God was doing. And so the process starts, and then so what happened? God parts the Red Sea. That ought to be enough for anybody to not look back. So he parts the Red Sea. Then you get over in chapter 15. They go along. They get aggravated about water. Well, we don't have anything to drink. So they grumble against Moses again. So they give him water. Chapter 17, they grumbling about water again. 
Chapter 16, they were hungry, so he gave them, give them manna. They wanted meat, he gave them more quail and they could stand. And they keep grumbling. How, you know, and, and so we see this process going here while they ended up here. And, uh, and as, as a matter of fact, God was about ready to kill them all. And Moses said, no, don't do that because people will say you couldn't bring your people into this land. So what happened? God condemns them to 40 years in the wilderness to everybody in that generation dies. And, and for a reason. But they, except for two. Joshua and Caleb are the only two that said from the very beginning, we can do it. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care how many giants are there. I don't care how many walled cities are there. God said we could. Let's go take it. As a matter of fact, Caleb says in Numbers 1330, we should surely go take, we should go take possession for we surely can. Never bit it out. But here's the, here's the thing about it. God, God condemned them to 40 years in the desert till all that group died. But Joshua and Caleb had to stay in the desert too. Doesn't seem fair sometimes. So sometimes walking through life, we have to eat somebody else's dust for a little while just because that's the way it is. So here they are. They've been in this, this desert this long. Moses passes on. Joshua takes over. As we know, Joshua ends up leading them in. Caleb ends up getting the land he wants. And so, but, and so and, and again, their faith was based on what they knew God could do and what he had done in the past, God's promises when we're looking at it. And so the scripture we're looking at today is Joshua 4, 1 through 7. And it's going to deal with building a memorial and, and what God is talking to us and trying to teach us through this, I think, as we look at it. In, chapter one, in verse 1 of chapter 4, it said, When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests stand, and to carry them over with you and put them down in a place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve men he appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord, your God, into the middle of the Jordan. And each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. In the future... When your children ask you, what do these stones mean? You tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. The stones were to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Now we know what happened when they got up to the Jordan. The priests carrying the ark set their feet in, and the river at flood stage stopped. It started backing up towards the town. And it also says they crossed on dry ground here. So you imagine what they're, they're, they're seeing here. And the, the thing that you see in this process is God said, build this memorial. And he told them, said, you take the stones and you stack them, which proves that a man did it. They just didn't get thrown there by nature. Secondly, the stones are from the middle of the river. Well, the only way you can get them out of the river is if the river stopped. So God is saying, this memorial is the, for you to tell the future generations what I did for you in this time when we're going into this land. And, and, and the word memorial itself means to remember. And even Moses said right before they departed from him, he said, be careful that you don't forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of slavery. That's in Deuteronomy 6, 12. And that was, you know, and memorials were very common in the Old Testament. God said, build a memorial, build an altar, build something to remember me by. So God is very serious about us remembering what he does for us and, and, and things in life. And he said, don't forget. Why would he... We forget. That's why he had to say it. We forget things. Things grow old. I mean, God brings you through a trial 15, 20 years ago, 
He was, but it, it fades. Sometimes that memory fades. Sometimes what he did fades. Sometimes we forget a little bit. And, uh, but God wants us to remember that. But I think a bigger problem in society for us today, and, and I'm not being critical here, but we've had it so good with so much, so easy for so long, we're kind of complacent sometimes to realize you go home today and stop and you look at everything you have and everything God has given you and blessed you with. I don't care where you're at financially here this morning. We're blessed compared to most of the world. And stop and say, Lord, you have truly blessed me. And thank you for that. And remember that. And, and to give him credit for it. Sometimes we just need to stop and give God credit for what he's doing in our lives. And, uh, but, we, but we fall short of that sometimes. And so that's the same thing that, uh, that uh, Joshua's dealing with here when God's dealing with him. So let's think about some spiritual markers from a standpoint. Now, it could be an event. It could be something that a time when somebody witnessed to you. It could be different things. But let's think about some physical things. A place. You remember Brother Lyle has often talked about a time at Ridgecrest in the garden when he committed his life to, to, to faith in Christ, to, I mean to preach. That's always going to be a special place for him. It could be an event. It could be a mission trip. It could have been a conference. It could be something you go to. It could be a person. There's a person in my life who was a huge mentor to me for years as a pastor. Still love him to death. And he meant so much to me in my growing process and moving could be a message. I still got a tape of a message I heard in 1981 that, that changed my life. I went home that night and prayed about what God wanted me to do. And I, it's still on tape. You can't hardly hear it, but I still got it. So I'm going to keep it anyway. But uh, could be a song. Could be a gift. Anything personal that holds an unforgettable memory of God's working in your life. It could have been through blessing. Could have been through conviction. Could have been through a trial. Could have been through correction. It could have been anything. But anything that reminds you that God was there, God was helping, God was on your side, God hadn't forgot you, God hadn't abandoned you. And like I say, sometimes you have to look back to see those things because they're not always evident. Now, for me personally, I was just thinking about this. I've got a picture of my baptism. And my baptism was in, in the creek right above on Station Camp Creek at the Cummins Lane Bridge. Some of y'all might know where that is. And that bridge is still there, and that hole of water is still there. Now, the only thing different is that dairy farm 100 yards upstream is gone now, so the water is probably a little cleaner, but, you know. But we were pretty smart. We waited until we had a big rain before we baptized people. But that little church is still there, and I can ride across that bridge, and I, you know, I was with a telephone guy one day, and I said, that's where I got baptized, and it opened up a conversation. And, you know, you can do those things and uh, to do that. Uh, my father's salvation is just in something to share him. Never, ever in a million years thought he'd get saved. And the way it happened, and when he did, if you want to sit and tell you, if somebody says, you know, I don't think this person ever gets saved, I stop him right there and I tell him that story. I said, let me tell you one that I didn't believe, and he was my dad, and he did. It can happen. So again, I can use that, though. I can use that to spin off and witness to somebody. Bibles. That's the reason I brought all these Bibles in this morning. I know he scared y'all to start with. This is my first study Bible. Got this in about 1972 or 73, and just when I was beginning to, to feel like God wanted me to, to, to study and to learn, and notes in here and stuff that even now some of them sound silly, but, but I can pick that up, and that's part of my growing process, that's, and, I, and I leave it laying around sometimes. And then this other one is the one I got here, and I carried this one. This one spent a lot of time in prison, and I didn't go to prison. We did prison ministry, for some of you that don't know me. I actually did experiencing God in prison. That gets somebody's heads turned sometimes. But that is the Bible I carried all through school as well. 
And so I can pick that. I don't leave them laying around on my desk. People look at them sometimes. And, but it's just memories for me. And I come back and I go, God, I don't know how I did everything I was trying to do in those days with school and work and family. And yet I realized he had told me to do it. And I realized that it was happening because he made it happen, because he let it happen, because he helped me with it. And so when we're thinking about this this morning, we can talk about probably three or four things that spiritual markers do and, uh, and, and to, to help us with this. Number one, they remind us of all that God has done for us. In other words, we can something that we, like a memorial, but a marker that we have, and we just say, look what God's done for me. Just remind us each day that he's blessed me, that I have family, that I have friends, that I have a church. And so that's, that is something that can just always keep us mindful of how much he's done in the past. I mean, there's two or three times in my life that I'm convinced that God might have saved my life. I mean, I was, drive a car pretty fast, got into a situation at work one time that was dangerous, uh, you know, and uh, had a bad wreck in Memphis, wasn't my fault, but didn't even have a scratch in it, and shouldn't have been that way, but, but God watches over us. I, I think sometimes when we get to heaven someday, we're going to be shocked that God's going to say, let me show you all the stuff that you never even knew about that I kept you out of. Not the stuff that was close calls, but the stuff we never saw. And he said, look, I just didn't even let that pass by you. And so I, it keeps us, it helps us remember those things in the world. And uh, that was a good reference. I was talking about that engineering job I wanted a while ago because God kept me from that, losing that job at that time by going over in that department if I'd have done that. It also proves that God keeps his promises to his people, even though at the time it might not be visible to us. You know, we, we, we look back and, and God, God's never broken a promise. God's kept every promise he's ever made. So we, we can have confidence that he's going to do that in the future. But it shows us that time after time after time, when God says, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, I'll take care of you, I'll give you what you need, he's done that. And the older you get, and, and a lot of us in here can identify with that, as we look back, we see it. It's just so clear, it's so evident, it's just, you can just count number after number after number after number after number of times you know that God rescued us, that God witnessed us, that God brought us out of those type things. And so that's another thing that these, these markers and memorials do. It helps us do that. They can give us a sense of direction for the future and, and the courage to go out and do what God wants us to do. And you, and you think about, you look back and you say, well, God opened this door and I didn't think I could do it. God opened this door and I didn't think I could do it. God told me to go here and I didn't want to. God told me to give this and I didn't think I had it. Five, ten years down the road, you look back and you say, man, he made that happen. He made that possible. He saw me through that time. He healed me. He healed my child. I listen, I almost lost a child. When she was about two years old. And I mean, it was, it was close. And, and I, I, still, I still, when I see her, I look back and I think, man, she could have not been here. But God chose to leave her here. And, and so it, it's those things. It gives us confidence to look down the road when we face another trial and go, he was there for all of those and he'll be here for these. It doesn't guarantee the outcome sometimes. Because God works the way he wants to work and uh, to do what he wants to do. But it gives us that confidence to know he's there regardless. And sometimes we'd have to, it's just like Joshua and Caleb. They had to endure what they had to endure because they were a part of Israel. God blessed them, but everybody else he didn't. So, and that's the way it ended up. You know, and we just finished up, and we're thinking a little bit further about that, giving us the confidence and the courage we just finished up all of us that was doing Experiencing God Bible study. 
We just finished up with Matthew 28 with the Great Commission. And in that passage, Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given me. And all means what? All, right? All authority. So he has power and authority over Satan, over death, over the universe, over everything. Colossians 1.17 said, He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. If he's got all power and all authority on heaven, in heaven, on earth, and over everything, including death and Satan and the demons of this world, what are we so worried about day in and day out when we get into situations or when he tells us to go do this or when he tells us to witness there or when he tells us to take up and take this job or when we get, or when we get afraid to witness to somebody? What are we afraid of? He says, I, remember that passage? He said, I have all power and I'm sending you. That should give us the confidence to know regardless when nothing in this world can come against us that God doesn't let come against us because Jesus said, you're mine and I have all authority and all power and I'm sending you out. And, and so it's just, again, when we look at passages like that and look at things, it just tells us that time and time again when I've obeyed God, I've stepped through a lot of doors over the last 20 years and a lot of times I didn't know if I could, you know, do, but God said go and I said I'm going to trust you and go. And, and that's the thing we're looking at. And so there's really no reason to doubt when God lays something on our heart. But we get caught in One of the biggest problems with God is not doubt, it's commitment. People just don't want to commit to doing what God wants us to do sometimes. But God's saying, I want you to remember what I've already done for you and what I'd like to do for you in the future. So take some personal time and, you know, we need to look at those things and add those things up and say, God, what, how, how blessed am I to, to, for what you've done to me? And then the fourth thing is your testimony. Your testimony is a memorial. It's a memorial to what? It's a memorial to your pathway to salvation. It's a memorial to, to God saving you through his saving grace. And so when we talk about telling a story, and Lyle said last week, tell a good story, you can't tell a better story than your personal testimony. Why? It's personal. You were there. It's real. It happened to you. You can verify that. It's detailed. You know the details. You went through it. You did it. It's life-changing. It's your life. You can testify to that. Let me tell you what Jesus did in my life. One of the best ways of witnessing people in the world. It has emotion. You felt it. You dealt with it. You went through the process. It shares the gospel. Well, sure it does. Anytime you tell somebody your journey to faith, you're sharing the gospel with somebody else. You're telling them what God can do and wants to do in their life and, and moving through. It praises the Christian life. It honors God. So your, our story is a spiritual memorial. It's something we can share. It's something that we always have to, you know, and, and to remember that and, and, and say, let me tell you my story. And it's, it reminds us, as we keep that fresh on our mind, it reminds us constantly that God loves us, that God has saved us, and that God has sent us into the world. The, only, the Great Commission is our only mission. There's no reason to say a lie on this earth after you're saved except for that one thing, to share the gospel. If every human is better off in heaven, then why does God leave us after we're saved? For that very reason, because he said, I want the world reached for the gospel. And, but that testimony is one of the best things we have when telling a good story. You can't tell a better story than that. Now, like my dad is a good story. I can tell you about his testimony. And, but that's the same process because it's leading people to Christ and it's honoring God. The thing about a memorial, a spiritual memorial, is to give God honor 
to do the same thing at a war memorial or anything else is to give credit to, give honor to, and remember and be thankful for that person or that event or what happened there. So when we look at spiritual memorials, they're the same thing. The overriding truth in this whole lesson today is it, it had on the, in, in the commentary on it, it says, reminding ourselves of God's past faithfulness can fuel our trust in him even when situations are difficult. And that's so true. If, if we keep remembering the past and all that God has brought us through, then when those things come in the future, and listen, they will, life on this earth is a life of trials, a life of grief, a life of heartaches, a life of woes. Not all of it, but they come and go. You're going to deal with them as long as you live. Ain't nothing you can do about it. But if you remember all that God's done for you and you keep your eyes on him and keep your faith in him, you can step out with confidence each day and go, whatever happens today, my God is in charge of it. And my God has his hand on it. And whatever my God says I can do, I can do. Because he knows what he's doing with me. And so, but we're going to deal with those things. So, some Thank you personally about this morning. What are some things that you use as a memorial? What are some things that help you remember? What are some things that help you springboard into a conversation? Now, journaling is a good way, too, but that's something. I'm not a disciplined enough to journal like I should. A lot of people do make notes. I write a lot of stuff in my Bibles. And, uh, but just some things that you can latch on to. Uh, maybe an event, maybe a time, maybe a mission trip. But what things can you identify in your life this morning? That not only helps you give God the credit, because God said, number one, remember me. When he told Joshua to build that, build that monument, he said, don't let your people forget. And when the next generation comes along and asks, what are these stones for, you tell them. Because our responsibility is passing on to the next generation as well. So what are we memorializing in our life or marking in our life as a spiritual marker that says something about who we are? Is there anything in our homes when somebody walks into it that they go, they might ask a question about a cross, a picture. Tom Hulls has got a picture of all the, I don't know if you've seen it, of all the churches he served in, a, in one big frame. And it's, it's a conversation piece. Somebody come in, what are these? Well, you know, somebody that don't know he's a preacher, they just open the door for a witness. And, but, it, but it can be anything, and that's what I'm trying to say here. Any physical item, it don't matter. It just The thing is, don't let those special times with God slip away. Don't let ourselves forget what he's done for us and wants to do for us as he moves ahead. We can't be complacent about those things that God's done in life. And we do that sometimes. And that's easy to do as times go by. And sometimes, like I say, I'll, I'll drive by the farm out there where I used to live, and, and, and the thought will come back about my father and about how obstinate he was about faith over the years and how noncommittal and how all of a sudden, on his own, he made a conversion to Christ in the hospital room and started calling relatives and things and talking to them about getting right with God. And you just go, you just look at it and you go, how did this happen? I thought he wasn't listening all those years. Well, he must have been listening. He just wasn't sharing it. And you have to realize that. My dad came out of World War II in the South Pacific, so we probably had a lot going on inside of him he never shared, but he got saved. And I can tell that testimony to anybody, to soldiers, to anybody, and that's a spiritual marker in my life because I can remember the joy when I, when I heard that and the joy that we could bury him with a little bit later because he was, he was deathly ill. Give God all the credit. He deserves it. We forget that sometimes. We get, we get to thinking sometimes some of this was our doing. No, it's not. It's all God. He gives us the talent. He gives us the opportunity. He's given us the nation to live in. It's all God's. 
What Romans 13 said, there's no government except that government that God ordains. There's nothing in this world that, not, that Jesus hasn't got his hand on. And we have to remember that. But give him the credit. And here's the thing about it. We forget sometimes. As long as we're alive, God's not finished with us yet. 1 Corinthians 2.9 is a verse I read quite often. And it says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, or no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those that love him. We don't have any idea what God can do, will do, and wants to do through a group of people that love him and don't forget who he is. And, 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 and don't let ourselves get too tied into what the world's doing every day and, and losing focus. We are here for that reason. We're here to, to trust in his promises. We're here to, to remember what he did. We're here to tell a good story. We're here to tell our story of salvation. We're here to tell him about the story of Jesus and what he did for us. It's our mission from God, and it's a challenge to do that, but God wants us to be about his business. You know, when he saved us, when his blood ran down that cross, he paid the debt. And when we come and say, God saved me and he saves me, he saves us to a responsibility, not to an option. He saves us to a responsibility to live like he wants us to live and do the things he's called us to do. And he'll honor us for it. And the morals are a way of looking at that. Spiritual markers are a way to look at that. Keep things in your life, in your heart, in your mind that will remind him what he did for you. Always give him the credit and always give him the glory because he always loves us. Amen? Let's pray, please.